primetime slots and news channels are allotted to debate shows which are basically shouting matches. The lack of civilized and professional debate in the mainstream media has kept the Indian news consumers starved for some good healthy discourse. Extra Insights proudly brings to you Rebuttal, a weekly podcast that hosts civilized debates. With states coming up with their own guidelines for inter-religion marriages, many myths and misconceptions are making its rounds. Are these proposed laws new and restrictive or are they just putting to ink what has been accepted in the past and misunderstood? Today we debate that. Love Jihad laws, curving love or constitutionalizing the past. Hello and welcome. My name is Vikram Pratap Singh and this is Rebuttal presented by Extra Insights. Rebuttal is a civilized debate on issues that matter for curious news consumers. Let me quickly establish the rules. Each participant gets a total of 5 minutes for opening comments, 3 minutes to rebuttal and refute and 1 minute to share the closing comments. Speaking first and for the motion is a law student and a winner of various international debate competition and a gold finalist at Cambridge Women's Debate 2020, Shruti. Speaking against the motion is Hamid Aziz Safwi, a student of St. Xavier's College and winner of several national and international debate contests. Shruti, the mic is all yours. I think it's really important to understand for the basis of laws what exactly the role of the state truly is and whether or not the boundaries of state welfare is something that can, in fact, be extended to the extent to which I think George Orwell put it as into the bedrooms of its civilians, right? We think it's absolutely necessary for the state to have a certain degree of control on the lives of citizens simply because when these lives of these citizens, for instance, were to go haywire, there exists a certain quantum of responsibility that exists entirely upon the state. This usually looks like the state taking on responsibility for judicial proceedings. This takes. This looks like the state investing its time, its energy, giving away time from its own courts to ensure that everybody's lives are optimum to the extent that state can go ahead and ensure. To understand why laws regarding love jihad is perhaps something that is arguably acceptable and has been for a really long time, it's really important to also look into the background of how state has treated other forms of relationships, right? We think the state has, to a certain extent, always had control on the kind of relationships that individuals can have with one another. This has looked like child marriage laws, because even though it seems arbitrary to assign ages to individuals, for instance, what really is the significant difference in the prefrontal cortex that has developed for a human being who is 18 versus who is 18 years and one month old? What difference does just that mere age make, right? And yet getting married before 18 is illegal while getting married after 18 is perfectly legal, right? In that regard, we believe the state has always exercised control to a certain extent, which can be deemed arbitrary, but more often than not, has always been for protecting the best interests of the citizens. Similarly, this also looks like the state going ahead and 
quite often out of their way in going ahead and mandating ways in which marriage as well as divorce can in fact be conducted. At any given point in time, family units are extremely important for the sustenance of a state. Not only is it extremely important in the way that our everyday, like mundane things that happen in our everyday lives, for instance, taxes and just how you rent homes, things like that get impacted. The way that the census is conducted every year in your country gets impacted, but also larger scopes, right? In the sense that the kind of population that you want to go ahead and have, the kind of welfare schemes that you want to have for families are things that states have to constantly create, keeping in mind the family structures that exist within society. At this point of time, it becomes important to introduce the concept of love jihad and why that is something that has been a part of common parlance for a really long time and yet has never exactly been written down in the form of laws. Love jihad is a concept, even though at present has an extremely negative connotation attached to it, largely has to do with protection of interests of individuals to essentially keep them away from coercion. And this is where coercion as a concept becomes extremely crucial, right? Because that is also something that the state has consistently tried to prevent its civilians from falling prey to. This largely looks like, and exactly like circling back to laws with regard to child marriage, the entire concept is that individuals are not capable of giving their consent to the best of their ability, simply because they, there exists a possibility that they might in fact be coerced into it. At the end of the day, having laws preventing things like love jihad is just taking it one step further in going ahead and ensuring that coercion does not in fact happen. We must keep in mind at this point in time that nobody is going ahead and claiming that interfaith marriages are illegal. There is not going to be criminal sanction for individuals who get married by their absolute consent and volition, as long as they're strictly able to prove that consent and volition is something that has always existed. This becomes crucial, especially when you look at the statistics of interfaith marriages and how likely they are to go ahead and break down. Interfaith marriages are at least 62% more likely to undergo divorces as opposed to marriages that happen within faith themselves. When that is exactly the kind of statistic that we see around us, we think at that point of time, it is absolutely fair for states to go ahead and put in a claim, just an extra marker, right? This is just an extra benchmark that you have to meet before you have the state's approval to continue your life as a married couple. In that regard, the state should get to go ahead and just add an additional checkpoint in ensuring that there exists complete an absolute consent on both parties before that marriage is something that takes place. And if a legal provision which prevents you from going ahead and coercing other individuals into specific forms of marriages is something that can, in fact, go ahead and help the state in ensuring better, better lives for their own civilians, we think it's absolutely fair for the state to go ahead and do that. Thank you. State has exercised control over relationship. Interfaith marriages are not illegal. 62% chances of an interfaith marriage ending. I would now request Hamid to go ahead with his opening round. So, I firstly, I would like to thank uh, Shruti for her speech. And before I go on to list down a few my own points, let me just say that I have some sort of... There, you know that the law is not just illegal. There are certain provisions in the law that go which are in contravention of existing rules. So Shruti in her speech talked about how it is the duty of the couple to prove that there is there is consent and to prove that there is no coercion. 
Now the point remains that I will just counter this point by the example of what has happened in Bareilly yesterday, where where there was a, a Hindu Muslim couple, uh, which which went to court and said and in which in which the girl went to court and said that there was consent, there was no coercion, and despite that the police forced the girl's father to lodge a complaint against the boy that he coerced the girl into changing religion, and based on this new love jihad law, that boy was arrested and stayed behind bars. Now the and the biggest problem with this law is. that it is incumbent on the boy to prove that he has not coerced the girl you see what is the basis of the law that if i am making an allegation on you it is my job to prove that the allegation is true it is not the job or that it is not your job to prove that the allegation is false right this is the biggest problem with the law that it poses that it puts the onus of proving that the allegation is wrong against the person against whom the allegation has been made and not against the person who has made the allegation so the what happens in these cases is that it takes a form of simple harassment so to, tomorrow if i let's say get fall in love with a hindu girl and i want to marry her and she, and she and i together decide that we you know that the girl should convert or whether i should convert or whoever my case may be let me let me take a scenario where i want to convert to Hinduism, right? To make it less controversial. So what happens in that case is that the family does not agree with me converting to Hinduism, and what happens is that I convert to Hinduism against the family's wishes, and we go, uh, and you know, I give a no. Uh, let's say I take the and I go and become a Hindu, and now my family is angry with me, right? Now what this law does is that it allows my family to level an allegation against the girl that she has forced me to convert to Hinduism, and this law puts the onus of proving it up. It makes it incumbent on the girl to prove that she has not forced me to coerce. Even though I am going to court and saying that I have that I have converted out of my own free will and not out of any coercion, this is very very problematic and in contravention of a basic existing rules, right? Second is that this law is very vague in nature, right? And then I'll come to the more like basic points of it. Let me go to the law is in itself because she is defending the law. I am going to counter the points that are there in the law, right? Now, it, now this the law goes and states, and I am quoting from the law where it there, there is no proper definition of allurement, right? It says that a marriage solemnized for the sole purpose of unlawfully converting the bride or groom is required to be declared void by the competent court and it says and it gives on a list of cases in which it will be declared null and void and it puts the point of allurement so simply uh, you see let's be later let us take a scenario wherein i decide to convert to hinduism why do i convert to hinduism let's say i give it as a decision that i want to convert to hinduism because the view of life of a hindu is better than the view of life of a muslim according to this law even that is wrong because if i'm not able to prove it beyond doubt that the that the level of 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 that the quality of life of being a hindu is more than the quality of life of being a muslim that that conversion will be declared null and void So how is that possible? That, that I mean, even if today I convert to Hinduism, let's say Vikram gives me a Gita, that in itself becomes an offense under the new act. So this is that is this is blatant disregard of existing rules. I do not know on what basis they've gone and made these rules, right? Now and then you see, let me talk of this term of love jihad. This this love jihad term is in itself funny because this has come into existence before two thousand fourteen. Now Shruti has come and given us statistics about how sixty two percent marriages which are inter religion fail. Now you see, if you go to rural areas, you will see that most of the marriages Fail, which are arranged marriages fail because no, because dowry is not given and and because of that you needed four ninety eight a, right? So simply giving a statistic on in which cases a marriage fails and which cases a marriage doesn't fail is not proving the point that there exists love jihad. Love jihad has been raked up by people like Yogi Adityanath because they want to score political brownie points and it is for this reason that love jihad, love jihad, love jihad you are hearing it everywhere. Jihad is basically waging a war against Islam. The people who are talking about love jihad need to first know what jihad means in the first place instead of continuously using this term. I also have a problem with my. 
opponent constantly using uh, a parallel to you know child marriage now child marriage is wrong not just because the child doesn't is not giving consent but also because it's biologically wrong simply saying that just because there are laws against child marriage make it is makes it makes it okay for the state to make a law against interreligious marriage is the most preposterous argument i've ever heard in defense of the law child marriage is something which is immoral child marriage is something where you're forcing the girl to get married to an old man or let's say a, a young boy to get married to an old woman against his own wishes or people without a consent right that is immoral interreligious marriages are not immoral right and third fourthly the point is we live in a democracy who is the state to decide what is immoral and what is not immoral today if i decide you know so today if i decide to marry a hindu girl we can go under the special marriages act and marry under that act or she can convert or i can convert and marry that is frankly on the basis of two individuals why should the state have any role to play in what i'm doing inside my bedroom which is the quote she used from george orwell in the beginning right this is a democracy this is not an autocracy where the state can tell me who i can marry who i cannot marry how i should marry how i should not marry i will marry on my own free violation and if the marriage doesn't work out she can go to court there are provisions for divorce as well right so that's why i'm i'm very very proud to oppose the motion thank you thank you hamid the law is problematic and vague in nature the term love jihad itself is problematic political brownie points for political parties great points shruti i would request you to go ahead with your round of rebuttals and refutes fantastic all right so i think it's really interesting the ideas of love jihad that hamid chooses to tackle right the first thing he talks about is the case in bareilly except keep in mind the case in bareilly is an fir and it's not exactly a conviction that has come out so keep in mind our judiciary still exists in place to ensure that prosecution is not done against the militant i have not read the news article but if what hamid says is prima facie true then that is a case that is not going to stand it is a case that is going to fail and if the only argument you have against love jihad is that it is a badly written law because it is vague then let's just constantly keep in mind that laws will always evolve what hamid and i do in fact agree upon is the context of when this law comes out and why that can specifically lead to certain kinds of problems with the rise of the right wing across the world there are significant scopes of misuse when it comes to laws such as this right but let's keep in mind this as well that if you were to strike down laws simply because there exists a scope of misuse the first law that would get struck down is the law that hamid talks about domestic violence and 498a because that he would he should he should know because he spoke about it also places the burden of proof not on the individual who is making the accusation but on the individual who has had who on against whom specific allegations have been made and in that regard i think this is where it becomes extremely important on why the burden of proof needs to be skewed in such cases like domestic violence i think it's extremely important to constantly note gender roles exist within relationships coercion and power imbalances consistently have always existed and in the near future are likely to continue existing and in that regard if we are to go ahead and frame laws specific to the context of these kinds of gender imbalances i'm unsure as to why an individual who has not coerced somebody into a marriage should have such a difficult time proving it if you have not in fact 
you know, force somebody into marrying you, if you have not done it for the proliferation of your own religion, regardless of which religion you come from, I'm unsure as to why you would have a particularly hard time going ahead and proving that in court. He finally talks about how these individuals can just at the end of the day go ahead and get divorced, except that is exactly where my claim and my contention with it came up, right? Divorces are expensive, not just for the individuals fighting those cases, but it's expensive to the time of our judiciary. It's expensive to the state machinery. And it is for those reasons that it's absolutely fair for the state to go ahead and implement as many preventive measures as possible to curb down divorces as much as possible. And if that means that going to court because there is an allegation of love jihad is an additional hoop of fire that these couples who are in fact truly in love have to jump through, I'm unsure as to what then really is the problem. Does this law have scope of misuse? Absolutely. Does every other scope of law have misuse as well? Again, 100% true. If we go ahead and scrap every single law that is A to vague and B has scope of misuse, I'm sorry we would be left with an empty constitution. An empty constitution is just anarchy. Extremely proud to propose. Amazing points there. Laws will always evolve. Laws in place for a reason. Divorces are a costly affair. Every law has scope of misuse. Hamid, I would request you to go ahead with your round of rebuttals and refute. Uh, firstly, I would once again like to thank uh, Shruti for her rebuttal. Uh, now, firstly, she comes up with the point that if I'm not coerced someone to get married to me, why should I have a problem in proving it to court? My problem is why should I have to prove it in the first place? That is the basic point. Why should I unnecessarily have to go to court every single day to prove that the girl I love I'm married? Why should I have to prove to court and to society that I'm not coerced her into getting married to me? That is in, that's in itself problematic, right? Why should I go to court in the first place? Second is, she talks about the case in Bareilly where an FIR has been registered. There's a difference between an FIR and a conviction. My point is that why should that individual have to go to court and be have to be in jail for the past three days despite the girl going one year ago and saying that, he's, that I'm married with my own consent? The family members of the girl do not agree with the wedding and they have lost the case against the girl for, against the boy because of which she's been arrested. The girl has not lost the case the girl's family has lost the case despite the girl saying that i consent to the wedding and the boy is, is in jail for the past three days and i don't know on what ground shuti is coming and defending this now thirdly she talks about 498 which i which i brought up now you see when 498 came out it was one of the most it was one of the strictest laws right to prevent domestic violence and dowry and harassment because of his misuse the law has been diluted so much so that the supreme court has said that in all cases of 498 the boy does not have to be arrested which is why it is a diluted version of what it existed in the first place right so the so in every case you see there's a dilution of the law. So if you're going to bring up a law right now and have to dilute it because of a misuse, what's the point of bringing up a law in the first place? Now, then she comes, then, you know, they talk about why, uh, then she talks about why it is the duty of the state to uh, prevent to lower down the rate of divorce. Uh, and so in that case, marriage should not happen in the first place because whenever there's a marriage, there's a possibility of a divorce. So the state will simply ban marriages between people. Why does it have to legislate on certain types of marriages? They legislate on all types of marriages and say there will no, there will not be any marriages. So when there are no marriages, there will be no divorces. So these problems are solved there and there. So who is the who is the state to come up and say that I should not marry? That this is the way you're supposed to get married if you want to marry so and so. You need my permission to get married. Yogi Adityanath is himself not married. How does he know how does the mechanism of marriage? 
function why does why do i as an individual have to go to the sdm who has who i've got no relationship whatsoever and take permission from him to marry a girl i love and you know if at all there is permission required whenever there's a marriage there's a registry that has to happen so when i'm doing the registry in the first place in which the girl signature there's my signature also why should i additionally have to go and get three signatures why should i have the burden of proof on myself to go and prove to court that i've not forced the girl to get married to me because of some xyz blood relative of the girl who's complained against me when the girl is herself saying that she's married me out of her own consent so these are very basic implementation problems that exist in the law i cannot understand how shruti is coming and defending this time and again why should i go to court and have to prove it because we are a democracy we are not a dictatorship right and then there are various problems in the law you know you know i agree you know there are there is a quantum of punishment she talks about quantum of responsibility of the state quantum of responsibility to see to understand that if, if i'm beating up my wife arrest me just because i married her and her own family members do not agree to it we are two consenting adults what is her problem in it what is the state's problem in it and even today the high court one of the high courts has stated that the that, that it is an individual's right to marry a person of his own choice and just because the family members oppose it doesn't is no ground for it, for two consenting adults to not marry right there are there are so many laws against it and still people are defending it thank you thank you hamed laws can be diluted no marriages no divorce we are democracy not an autocracy we are almost towards the end of the debate i would now request shruti to go ahead with her closing comments please three primary points of contention that we get from opposition today right firstly why should i have to go ahead and prove that my marriage is valid well because you take tax exemptions from the state because you say you're married it's because you get rent exemptions which the state pays for because you say you're married it's because your children get welfare schemes because you're legally married and because if your marriage falls apart and your children are then more likely to suffer from multiple other problems it is the state that has to go ahead and take responsibility and ensure welfare of not just you your wife but also your children and the future generations to come hence because the state owes you certain duties simply by virtue of being a welfare state you owe the state certain explanations in case your marriage is likely to be is likely to be one that is coerced if you don't agree with these and you don't want these benefits then please go ahead and have like a live in relationship that is perfectly legal in this country unsure as to why you want the benefits of the state and yet think that you owe no accountability to the state second point of contention that there is is 498a has been diluted i absolutely concede to that laws constantly evolve and if this law is in fact such in, so incredibly prone to misuse i'm sure this will eventually be diluted as well but however the reason why you still need a law like this is again to circle back to my statistic of these marriages being more likely to fail divorces being expensive the inherent consequences that the state has to then go ahead and bear because your marriage ended up failing and the last contention that there is if the girl has said that she herself has not been coerced how dare can the sdm claim that that is something that has happened that is not a case that would stand in the court of law but more importantly we are unsure as to why you think examples can be turned into arguments because that's not necessarily true there exist horrific examples of every single law in our constitution being misused time and time again that again does not give you any ground at all to go ahead and say that a law in its entirety does not stand i have never been prouder to propose thank you shruti hamid it is now your turn for the closing comments So firstly I would like to thank Shruti for her speech again. Now she comes up and says that if you want benefits from the state and you want benefits for the for your children from the state you should go and prove that it is not being coerced. My my only argument to that is why should not that be applicable for all marriages then? Why should that be only applicable for inter-religion marriages? 
Why should so when you when you are discriminating based on religion, you are going in contravention of the constitutional provisions of India. India is a secular state, is not Pakistan, which is a theocratic state. We have to go and prove that Indian religion marriage is wrong. This is a secular state, a state, a state which has no religion. So by law, a, a state should not discriminate on the basis of religion, right? I can marry whoever I want to on this planet, and if if either you make everyone prove that the marriage is not based on coercion, or you make nobody prove that their marriage is based on coercion. You cannot have it simply on the ground that people of two different religions are getting married, right? Now, when you talk of 498A, she says that laws are completely being evolved. My only point is then, if you are going to have this law, which is end up going to be diluted in the first place, why are you wasting time and the and wasting the lives of thousands of individuals who are going to be who are going to suffer immense injustice uh, because of this law in the first place? See, when you talk of 498A, it is only now that this law is is basically a two this uh, what should i say i mean it's, it's it's not a law that is effective anymore because the boys are not being arrested right but there are thousands of boys whose lives are ruined in the first place because of the fake case that the wife had registered against them which is why the dilution needed to take place so even if now this law is not that dangerous there was a time where lives have been ruined and people have been forced to go to jail for no fault of theirs and that is something similar which is going to happen now you see one of the basic principles on which the constitution was founded was that even if let's say one uh, even if let's say 10 people who are guilty are innocent, that's okay. But even if one innocent is put in jail and is guilty and is proved guilty, even though he's innocent, that is wrong, right? That is the basic foundation on the basis of which our constitution has been, has been, has been, uh, what should I say, formed, right? So now when you talk about, and you know, in the Arnab Goswami judgment, the Supreme Court talks about protecting the personal liberty of the individual. And it's, it's ironic that just a few days ago, the Supreme Court had made these scathing observations protecting the personal liberty of these individuals. And right after that, the party that Arnab Goswami supports has the audacity to go and curb the personal liberty of individuals in direct contravention of the Supreme Court judgment and the Supreme Court observation is something which I cannot understand how they can how they can stand in the court of law. With this, I'm very, very proud to oppose today's motion. Thank you. Thank you, Hamid. With that, we come to the close of free battle. Thank you, Shruti and Hamid, for joining us. It was a pleasure to hear you on Rebuttal. Our listeners can participate in the debate on our website or via the Extra Insights app. We would love to hear your rebuttals. We shall see you next week with another Real Debate.